five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. Here, here's a, a Kia ad, and it's a little bit raw compared to their normal, staid, beautiful uh, interior shots. Okay. $49 or 49 euros. There's a little girl on the rug. It's a hassock for $5, I think. Look, look. Wow, so pretty, she says. Life's not like an IKEA catalog. $79 for couch covers, machine washable. <laughs> Kia literally spills guts. The Swedish retailer is stepping away from the picture-perfect catalog promo this time. So at least they mention the word catalog. I think that's great. Um, in life is not an IKEA catalog. IKEA moves away from showcasing new products in its traditional inspirational way. Uh, instead, viewers are <laughs> viewers see the furniture being peed and vomited on. You know, it's funny because. That's um, something that I wanted Lovesack to test. You know, I said you ought to have a you ought to have a kid. They did it actually. They did it. A kid eating M&Ms on the couch in the midst of spilled spaghetti or something like that. I'm not going to say how it did, but it pays to test, right? <laughs> You always wonder how I'm going to loop this back to testing and direct mail, right? Okay, the spots signify that IKEA's products are designed for life's big and small challenges. Annika Morch-Aste, head of Aste, maybe it is, head of marketing communications at IKEA Norway, said IKEA products are made to let you handle the everyday because we believe that both furniture and your home are meant to be used. Right. Life isn't always tidy and neat and tidy, so we think it's great that the campaign can reflect just that. Well, okay, so that's kind of fun. Okay, now next we're going to go to a junk mail article, and I've always been a fan of junk mail. You think about it, you know, I I try to clean my workbench or my garage, and I end up just resorting it because, I, you know, how could I possibly throw away that used rubber band or... <laughs> or something you know and every now and then you know there's this i used some epoxy last night that i hadn't used in years and it came out of the tube if you put the tube in a vice <laughs> so you just never know okay so this is from michael corin from the washington post which is kind of cool i don't i don't cite the washington post that much um uh so he got a he got a plea I doubt if it was a plea. It was probably an invitation to embark on Princess Cruises. Pre-approved credit card offers from banks I'd never heard of. And that, of course, in, can be also because your bank changed names. My bank has changed names three times or four times in the last decade or so. Okay, now they're at Bank 5-9 because they were founded in 1859 which we may loop back to later. <laughs> no, it's in this article. Okay, so anyway, in a furniture catalog from Lulu in Georgia. Some weeks more than some weeks more than a dozen pieces of unsolicited marketing mail, aka junk mail. And again, I like that name because it's empowering. 
although I've gotten in plenty of trouble for saying that. Uh, and believe me, at a dollar per piece or so, let's say that's a pretty good average. Maybe it's a little less than that. We don't send it out thoughtlessly. We do care, you know. And even unaddressed resident mail is usually mailed by a local merchant so that they're not they're not sending it to everyone in the United States. They're sending it just to their town, right? And just remember, though cleaning your workbench, you can't throw anything away. You can always throw the junk mail away. It's empowering. You know, I remember going to Dublin and Airbnb and it had a little brass plate, beautiful brass plate. I took a picture of it. No junk mail over the postal slot. So anyway, um, and that may be enough in the UK. I don't know. Okay, so uh, in the United States, mail volumes peaked in two, in 2011. I thought uh, I thought business mail or whatever peaked in 2007 myself, but you know, roughly 63 billion catalogs, postcards, credit card offers, and coupon booklets arrived in America's mailbox last year. That's 62% of all U.S. household mail. Okay, so he decides it's, he says it takes a heavy toll. Uh, Americans receive 41 pounds of junk mail each year, which, you know, spread over a year. What's that? 52 weeks. So 40 divided by five is eight. So it's what? 0.8 pounds a week. 0.8 pounds. So it's, you know, a couple of pieces a week. And... And it seems so funny. It talks, they talk about 80 to 100 million trees. But, you know, we, you know, I love corn on the cob. It's the season just about, just about pretty much over. But nobody laments corn stalks being cut down. You know why? They grow back. Every year, we can plant new corn stalks. You know what? With these trees that are being cut down, these are not virgin sequoias or or something like that. They're not a thousand-year-old, you know, Pacific pine tree or something. These are crops. These are crops. These are taking CO2 out of the air and putting it into paper and putting the paper into a landfill. So we're sequestering CO2. I always wonder about these claims, <laughs> but anyway, this is a crop. Remember that, Michael. <laughs> we plant more trees. They're coming up for this year. You know, it's just a crop. It's a crop. And those managed forests aren't the ones that are bursting into flames in California either. It's the neglected forests that they let fill up with, with guck. Anyway... <laughs> And cities and counties spend a billion a year to collect and dispose of it. But, you know, if they use incinerators, and some do, Minneapolis did an extensive, extensive study and said, you know, there was a lot of energy in consumer waste. It's hard to recycle. Most of it doesn't really get recycled, even though they tell you it does. And so they burned it. 
and they burned it at 1200 degrees it was a really really hot burn so you don't get a lot of emissions out of it and um, that was much and more environmentally friendly if we didn't have this thing against co2 which is plant food which helps those trees grow so anyway anyway he embarked on this <laughs> mission and as i always say check with steve falk he could tell you the environmental impact of direct mail and i'll tag him in this okay so so michael decided to go for zero junk mail and he was pleasantly surprised to find it took less than a half an hour of work to get rid of most of his junk mail okay and uh but he had this nice little vignette here direct mail begins in 1835 with the american anti-slavery society okay which is something that i want to point out is that mail and even advertising mail is protected by the first amendment he said that he said that uh only political mail was protected i mean he specifically mentions down later that he can't get rid of the political mail, which <laughs> seems to catch up and make up for the difference whenever we come around to this. Um, so, but uh, that was in 1835. But anyway, they were, they were sending out anti-slavery newspapers and pamphlets, okay? And in a mere 30 years, slavery was basically overturned. Third-class mailing swelled from 301 million in 1880 to more than 6 billion by 1930. That's pretty cool, I think. That's 10% of what we have today, but still, it's pretty amazing, you know. Uh, junk mail is the lifeline for the post office. It gets, it produces about 20% of the agency's revenue. Um, he blames the U.S. Postal Service, but you could blame Congress in this article. Congress said that they had to they had to pay for the postal service uh and so they granted marketers preferential access to your mailbox at one-third the cost but that's a little bit misnomer because in in marketing mail we do, do a lot of the preparation we put it in carrier route order for example okay so you can have a stack of mailers but they're going in the right order and so you know never mind anyway the second reason your mailbox is stuffed with advertisements, here's a great point, is they work. People have little choice but to sort through their mail. In other words, engagement. You have to engage with your mail even if you don't want to. Even if you call it junk. Even if you throw it immediately in the, in the trash, you have to look at it. Okay? The Postal Service estimates two-thirds of households read or scan their junk mail, while 11% respond to mailers. Given the large increase in advertising mail volume since 1987, the Postal Service in its 2020 Household Diary study found, it seems clear that U.S. households read more advertising mail now than in the past. And most pre prefer it to digital advertising. Okay, But here's how you get rid of it if you really want to. Uh, the, the Association of National Advertisers has an opt-out, which is called dmachoice.org. And there's another one, which is which I hadn't heard of before, actually. It's called opt-out prescreen, and that's so you can stop insurance mailers. The other one probably will stop it. Uh, ANA says it'll stop 80% of promotional offers. Okay, now be careful. 
some of those deer catalogs that you don't think of as junk mail, that's the tricky part, right? My wife thinks of my Cabela catalogs as junk mail, but I think of her Chadwick's of Boston as junk mail. I'm happily throw hers out, but I don't want her to throw mine out. So junk mail is partly in the mind of the beholder. Think about that. <laughs> and um, this guy really, there's also catalogchoice.org. Um, it's free. You can specifically opt out. I brought an annual subscription to Paper Karma for 25 bucks. You take a photo of the mailed item, and then algorithms try to identify the sender, and you can manually correct errors, but you can instantly send the advertiser an opt-out request. This Michael was serious, okay? And uh, so how did it work? He says, I'm still getting a trickle, but basically it worked like crazy, and um, my only regret is I didn't try it years earlier. So it worked out. Anyway, there you go. A success story. Okay, this one is from uh, Sarah Fletcher. I promised to cover it today. It's got a lot of depth in it, and so you probably want to go over to the WDMA.org and subscribe, and then you have access to the show notes every day, which is probably worthwhile. I shortened this up for you, but there's a lot of meat in these things, and I wouldn't have picked them if they weren't any good. So an, so AI can create an almost infinite series of websites with SEO designed to rank well with Google and other search engines in less time than it takes a person to come up with a good keyword strategy. Okay? That's the, the meat of the article. Okay, sites that use AI to manage SEO will outperform sites that are created by humans. Okay, got that? And it's going to be a big problem because the proliferation of machine-made sites was only limited by the people they could hire to create more sites. You know, I, I see sites like, this is what they looked like then. See what they look like now. And it's a collection of 50 you know, Hollywood stars 50 years later or something. And the one that you were curious about, like like, uh, like Valerie Bertinelli, who I probably had a crush on when I was a teenager or something, she isn't even in the list, okay? So I've learned to avoid those clickbait ones. Um, but here's the bigger problem. If, if, you say, well, if they're going to do it, I'm going to do it. If all legitimate sites are using AI, how will the search engine sift through the churn and clutter to determine where to send searchers? Okay, and so then she pitches Stylicon, which is really cool. Uh, I did a, an interview with Sarah, and it is super cool. It really does make, you know, web, web-based catalogs are mostly ugly and dysfunctional. And she really has a way to elevate uh, your Shopify store if you have one. So I really highly recommend that you you check out Styliquin. I think it's styliquin.com. It's down in the bottom of the article, I think. Um, so what she thinks is going to happen is that you're going to get engagement as a test for the um, for the viability, the rank of the site. She says, you know, how long do people stay on there? Customer engagement is the hardest metric to fake. Now, you know, I don't know. 
She didn't cite a link for that, but I am a follower of Dr. Augustine Fu, and he talks about how the bots, you know, for the people that want to elevate their site by traffic, right? So a lot of fraudulent sites hire bots to come to their site, and they teach them to to click around like human behavior, click on areas. Now, Dr. Fu has some ways to find them because they click on the same areas more than once sort of thing. But if you don't have fancy stuff to catch those bots, they look like they're browsing the site. They're clicking on links. They're going up and down the menu. Uh, maybe they're even placing orders. You know, they may not, they may abandon the cart. But a lot of times Google doesn't, can't, can't quite follow it that far, you know. And so... Uh, and so it may even fake Google into thinking that they ordered. So it isn't that hard to fake if you have an army of, of bots, but it requires a second order level of AI, right? The first order is building the site. The second order is sending traffic to the fake site. But so you've got a combination of multiple sites linking to each other and bots going back and forth and happily shopping all day. Okay, so I don't know that this is gonna solve it. But I do suspect that Land's End and L.L. Bean and others, Google knows are real. <laughs> Google can tell, you know, the 40-year-old the sites or more. But what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, she says the, the solution is make the, make the website fun to shop. That's true. Once you get them there, make sure there's real content. Oh, here it is. How to increase engagement without spending a fortune. And a bunch of links. And I think these are live, but if they're not, um, you know, there's, it's styloquin. But she says you're going to have to advertise more. And what's the best way to advertise? My style consultant called me and she said, hey, I got the Amazon Toys We Love list. Uh, Toys We Love catalog. And she told me over over the phone. She was all excited. I said, well, that's kind of dumb. You don't have any kids. I'm trying to get at the Amazon list quality and database algorithms. And she said, oh, I buy toys for the grandkids, you know, her nieces and nephews, her nephew. Uh, and so Amazon has sent it out again, and they curated 200 of the top picks. And uh, I think this is the catalog that the it doesn't talk about how many they printed. I would have loved to have seen that or or. You know how well it works, but the fact that they keep on mailing it means it's working. And so uh, there you go. If, if there isn't one, if, if that isn't the best argument for mail, if you have your website. So do a real catalog. Then get Styliquin so that people enjoy the site. Have a great day. Like and share. Repost. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.